0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Please welcome Bill Gates. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here. First things first, when the interview ends, don't get up and leave immediately because people think, (laughs) like, we're fighting and we're not. (laughs) I don't wanna
1: overstay my well, welcome. Yeah,
0: you, you, you just like, I, I know that you have places to be, but everyone was like, Trevor, did Bill Gates, did you, you offend him? I was like, no, that's what Bill Gates does. When he's done, he's done, he gets up and he leaves. <laughs> everyone else is like, hello, cry. And Bill Gates is like, I'm out, I'm done. <laughs> that's how you become a billionaire. Welcome back to the show. Um, congratulations on another successful year of the goalkeepers event. Um, Talk to us a little bit about goalkeepers, because people know that you're involved in philanthropy. People have heard of you and goalkeepers. We see fantastic names like Yara Shahidi being involved. But what is your intention with the goalkeepers
1: event? What are you trying to inspire in people? Well, all the countries in the United Nations made a set of commitments to improve uh, the state of life, to get rid of disease, to fix climate change. And those goals, sustainable development goals, uh, we need every year to sit down and look at, are we making progress? Right. We need to celebrate the heroes who are inventing new tools or doing work in the field, and we need to see if people are falling behind, how do we double down on that? Uh, and this is the one week of the year, because the UN's coming together, uh, that we you know, focus attention on these super important long-term issues. What I enjoy as well is, I
0: was lucky to be part of the event last year, and what I enjoyed was it's not an event that's focused solely on, on, on the leaders of the countries, but it's on the people in the countries who are leading themselves. So you, you, you have an event where I think this year was over 400 people, uh, predominantly below the age of 40, and more than 50% of them are young women who are doing amazing things in their countries. What are some of the projects that they're undertaking that, that really impress you?
1: Well, on the ground, the idea of getting new seeds to farmers, educating them, uh, so they can deal with climate change and have more productivity. There's Women farmers are educating other women farmers. Right. Uh, women are creating women's groups where they come together, educate each other about uh, avoiding childhood marriage, uh, talk about is, is the government, is the teacher showing up? Right. Are the vaccines there? And that kind of accountability really grows up from the community level, particularly with women as they band together. And, and so that's the... Uh, kind of movement that we want to scale up. And, you know, in fact, we'd love to see it all over Africa. It's,
0: it's something that's growing in Africa. And, and one thing that has struck me is you're one of the most optimistic people mm-hmm. I've met. And part of me goes, because you're a billionaire. I mean, I, <laughs> I would I'd look up and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic <laughs> because of that. But, but you, you, you've been on the ground for a long time. And you've seen massive changes, predominantly in Africa and in Asia as well. You've always said to me, The world is getting better progressively. It doesn't mean we can stop, but the world is getting better.
1: But then I ask you, Bill Gates, why does it feel like the world is getting worse? Well, the nature of news is that you're going to read about a plane falling out of the sky or a natural disaster. If we go three years with no plane wrecks, you know, when you put that headline there, uh, extreme poverty has gone from 36% to 9%. And so every day for 25 years, you could have run a headline... 137,000 moved out of extreme poverty today. That would be real news. Uh, And yet it would feel kind of weird. Right. Uh, And so improvement is this gradual thing. Uh, We've cut childhood deaths in half over the last 25 years. Uh, You know, we've raised agricultural productivity. And, you know, there's a lot of amazing heroes behind that. Uh, And so uh, really understanding this framework Uh, that we focus so much on what's not done that we, we can miss the lessons of what really works extremely well. That's an interesting
0: paradox, because it feels like that's the space that not just the general population is in, but also the presidents of the United States. Because Donald Trump has not been afraid to say he's not a fan of giving money to other countries, he's not a fan of foreign aid, he doesn't understand why America pays for any other country... Um, I, I read an article in the Washington Post about how they asked you to come to the White House to explain to the president why foreign aid is important. And... Like, I would, I would like to know, uh, like, if you were explaining it to a toddler, how would you explain... How would you explain... Not that the president... Is, I'm just saying if you were. How would you explain foreign aid to somebody? Why would you say the United States should help any other country and give
1: them money? Well, it's less than 1% of our budget. Uh, when you ask people, they think it's 5 or 10%. But it's, it's fairly small. Uh, although we have such a big budget, it's $30 billion a year. That $30 billion is keeping over 14 million people alive with HIV medicines. And if we keep them alive, eventually we'll have a vaccine, uh, and then we'll stop people from getting infected. But for now, we need to keep those drugs going out there. It's something America should be very proud of. Uh, It started under President Bush, but it's been very bipartisan, uh, called uh, PEPFAR. And so most people don't get to see uh, these things in action, see how many kids are surviving from malaria because those bed nets got out there, those vaccines got out there. Uh, Melinda and I get to travel to Africa. Uh, We get to look at this data. And, you know, thank God that American uh, taxpayers are so generous. This is what can get countries out of poverty, allow those countries to be self-sufficient and stable. Uh, That means we won't have to send soldiers there. We won't have epidemics starting there. And the world economy will grow and we'll all, uh, you know, participate in uh, the middle income or better life uh, that everyone on the planet should have. When you look at philanthropy, you you have to look at it through a very specific lens
0: because a lot of people have a misconception, and that is, Those who have the money can just give it to those who do not, and then the problems of the world are solved. But the truth is, philanthropy cannot fix these problems. So what are you looking to do? Because even if you gave all of your money to a charity, the truth is it is a drop in the bucket compared
1: to a government's budget, any government in the world. So what are you actually trying to do then? Well, philanthropy is able to take risks, um, like inventing a a new vaccine. Uh, You know, we can pick scientists and get behind that, we can add uh, to whatever the government's doing there. Uh, We can uh, understand these community organizations, uh, give them some money and and show they get results and hope that the government will get behind those new approaches. Uh, The idea of improving seeds, uh, actually the Rockefeller Foundation uh, funded the Green Revolution that saved hundreds of millions in Asia because the, the crops were so much more productive. Now we need to do that again, Uh, to fight against climate change and the smallholder farmers who will suffer from that. So we can make risky bets. And, you know, if you come up with improvements, then you've really got to go to the governments. Because, as you say, of the world economy, philanthropy is 0.1 percent, not gigantic, but enough to back scientists, enough to back uh, pilot studies, enough to try and change the culture of some of these delivery systems so that they really work well. Uh, you know, over time, we'll get digital tracking. in, so you can say when you went to the primary health care system, were, were the vaccines there? Did the teacher do a good job? So we want we need the governments over time to take on new ideas, including uh, these accountability systems. It's always exciting speaking to you.
0: Um, I know that the goalkeepers event is moving forward. I know this year you celebrated 100 years of Nelson Mandela and how he inspired goalkeepers. Looking at his legacy, looking at the people you've spoken to. What are you hoping that as, as humanity we can achieve in the coming years?
1: Well, we had Grosha Michelle, uh, who is Nelson Mandela's wife, come and she was so eloquent about uh, how he believed in principles and he stuck with them even when it looked bleak. Uh, so, some things look bleak right now, uh, some of the trends don't look <laughs> all that good, that uh, humans aren't as willing to help each other, uh, you know, and take these kind of long term views and solve these tough problems. But... Uh, you know, he was such an example. Uh, and, you know, that, that's incredibly inspiring. I think the young people in the room were all tearing up as she talked about him and uh, how we should all take that spirit of sticking with what we believe in and, and carry it forward. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you <laughs> For
0: more information about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Goalkeepers Report, go to GatesFoundation.org slash Goalkeepers. Bill Gates, everybody.